Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So I've, I've got a confession to make with you, but um, I am a purchase agonizer. I don't know if there are others that suffer from this disorder out there, uh, but there were a few up at Taramaro this morning. I agonize over purchases. And when I say agonize, I mean like I have five tabs of the same product open from different sites if I'm going to buy it. I've already researched for about an hour and a half, choice.com.au, yes, which I do subscribe to for a couple hundred bucks a year because it's worth it. It is so worth it for people with my disorder. I just I, I agonize over purchases and, and I think the reason is this, and you might have experienced it in different ways, but we've all had moments in life where we've gotten what we really wanted and then when we've gotten what we really wanted, it's really failed to meet our expectations. And there, there is a classic category of this in life. Uh, they're called Stay Sharp Knives <laughs> from Dimtel or TVSN. Uh, they, they, are, they are bound to dis- you know you know the ones that cut through a brick you know they cut through bricks and then, and then you get to your place and after about a month or two they don't even cut through tomatoes you know what's, what's the deal with that and the reality is if you haven't discovered yet is that um, life gets sold to you like a Demtel commercial <laughs> you want more? yeah there's always more right? There, and it is always glittering and amazing and so, if it's true of Stay Sharp Knives, there are bigger decisions at stake, which you're all getting ready to make this year. Remember, I told you, don't make your resolutions right now. Make a resolution. I'll get into that. But in light of these sorts of decisions, particularly if you are a purchase or a decision agonizer, how, how do we stop our short-term decisions from deceiving us? Because we learned last week, it's, it's pretty tricky you can get deceived by a lot. And that's why I said, don't make a resolution, make a resolution and no, it's not a typo. You know, that, you know that some of you, bless you, some of you thought I had made a typo and I'd rewritten the whole sermon series around the typo on the newsletter. <laughs> if I was, only I were that studious. No, it's not a typo, it's the new year, I'm going to be organised. But a resolution is an epiphany so profound that it compels you to a course of action. It's the combination of resolution and revelation. See that? See that? Yep. See what we did there? So I've got to ask you the question then, as you get ready to make your resolutions, what is it that you really want? What do you want? And we learned last week that that question is a very difficult one to answer because uh, often we, we want to do whatever we want to do, but in doing that, probably don't end up where we want to be. And often we, we want it now, but having it now means that we can't have it later. And we want to do what whatever we want to do, but it means, means that there are places where there are things that we can't do, remember? So it's, it's a tricky question. And so as we dove into that, we, we ended last week with this, that lurking in the shadows of what we want is actually what we truly value. And the things that we value, they pay a far greater bearing on the sorts of decisions that you will make this year, not what the resolution is, but what you value. I'll give you an example. You know, what, what, happens, if, what happens if you're a, you're a doctor and you've been training for 15 years in medicine and then suddenly your wife says that, you, that she wants to head back overseas to live with her family where you can't practice medicine anymore? 
How do you make that decision? How will you choose? Uh, What if it's a situation where you have been working for 20 or 25 or 30 years in order to reach the pinnacle of your career and at that very last step before you is a decision to do something that would go against that value that you had to say that you wanted to be a person of integrity, make the non-integrous decision and get the promotion or lose the job and remain a person of integrity. How do you make those sorts of decisions? And can I suggest to you how you make that decision will be based on what you truly value. In fact, it's those sorts of life scenarios that will reveal to you what you truly value and what you truly want. So what is it that you want? Now, here's the interesting thing. We're going to look at that and we're going to dive into this today. And, the, and, and the, the interesting thing about all of this is that this is not a Christian thing. This is not a religious thing. You know, if, you, if you're not yet a Christian or, or you, you've drifted from Christianity and you're back here and, and a friend or someone's dragged you along because they promised you lunch at Rough and Bear afterwards, uh, we're glad you're here. <laughs> um, and, and I want you to know the good news is that this is not a religious thing. In fact, it's just a thing thing. It's just, it's just good common sense. So this applies to you whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian this morning, that regardless of what you think about God and regardless of Christianity, this is true for you and this should be very, very easy to work out, right? Like all you've got to do is come in, we're back from holidays, come in, get a few notes, it's going to be on the slides, pen and paper, sorted. We know what we want, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's tricky. Uh, we just discover what is most valuable and we go from there. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, valuable. Valuable's the, valuable's the whole problem. Because choosing valuable is unnatural. It doesn't come to us naturally. And so what it means is that this is not a matter of discipline or it's not a matter of information. It's not a matter of you trying hard enough. What we're going to learn this morning is that the choosing, choosing what you value, whenever you do that, there's an internal conflict between what you what you want and what, what you really, really want, what you actually value. And, you know, most people are never able to break through that tension. They just give up here. But if you push through that, everything changes and everything gets better and it is better. And I want that for you and I want you to get that this morning. And that's why we're talking about this for three weeks. And, and, and it's not an easy battle. And, and by the way, if you're the sort of person that beats yourself up because you don't do good at this stuff, you don't think that you've worked it out, that you're still struggling and you're working it through, would it be of any comfort to you that, that the guy that, that Christians around the world reckon is the, the greatest guy behind Jesus, he's the most famous at least. Time magazine said that this guy is, is the most influential guy in the world behind Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, look, to, look at what he says about this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. <laughs> Look at that. I do not understand what I do. There's a bumper sticker for you. (laughs) Try for this for the new year. Just just write that on your bathroom mirror (laughs) or your your coffee cup at work. (laughs) I don't understand what to do. The things I want to do, I'm not doing. The things I hate doing, I am doing. And then he elaborates on it in Galatians 5, which Anita read from the message translation. I'll give you the adults version here. Oh, I love the message. Don't get me wrong. I love the message. It's beautiful. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the 
sinful nature, for the sinful nature. I use the message because it defines sin as self-interest, not good deeds versus bad deeds. I think it's a better way to say this. For the self-interested nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the self-interested nature. And they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so here we, we feel this tension. Just think about that thought for a second. Why, why is it that we don't do the things that we want to do? Like I know most of you here, you're good people. You're beautiful people. But you and I know that there is elements and times and seasons in our own life where our, our self-interest wells up within us and we do things that we, don't, that we hate doing and we do it anyway. What is with that? Now, I know I said to you that this is, this is a thing thing. It's not a religious thing. But we are in church, so allow me, if it's okay, to give you the Christian answer to why we deal with this tension. And the simple Christian answer is... Um, the Christianity is a bar fight. <laughs> I always say that. Christianity is a bar fight. You know, Christianity, when, you know, before you knew God, if you're not yet a Christian, Christianity is a fight with God. There is something within your, within your heart that's like a three-year-old. I want my own way. I want to do it. I know what I'm doing. I know how to play with guns. I know how to do all sorts of stuff. You know, I'm, I, I got my life under control. And, and yet what Paul is saying is that when the Spirit of God comes in your life, when, when, you, when you're a Christian initially, at first, there's this wonderful peace. It lasts for about three minutes. <laughs> and then there's a fight. There's Muhammad Ali would say, it's a wrestle. It's a wrestle. And so anyone who's a Christian knows that you get this wonderful peace for about 30 seconds to three minutes, and then the rest of the Christian life is a fight. Can I get an amen? <laughs> It's a fight. And part of the reason that it's a fight is because this godly nature has come into this natural heart that's self-interested and it's injected itself in there by your opening up to it. It's almost like an alien thing into your body. It's almost like immunising yourself. Suddenly you've, you've, you've injected yourself with all of these antibodies that are now, what do antibodies do? They fight internally against all the bad stuff, try and start getting rid of it all. And, and there's an inner fight going on. And so as a result, Christianity is a fight, and here we have it, there is a conflict between your natural human nature, what you naturally want, and what you ultimately want, what you value. This, by the way, is the source of indecision. This is what causes all of the agony in our decisions. And you thought it was just because you didn't subscribe to choice.com.au. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, scratch that. Bible's better than choice. Okay. <laughs> and like like at, the, at the end of the day, all, all human beings, the Bible says, and this is the Christian answer, are built, God created us to build, to, to, to serve and to worship Him. All of human beings are, are, are built to do that. And, and some of you might go, well, that sounds egotistical. On the surface, yeah, it does. But you know what? Like, um, God built us to worship and to follow him in the person of Jesus Christ. And whenever we move outside of that, we see a breakdown in our lives. You know, it's, it's, like, trying to, it's like trying to drag a wagon through the dirt without wheels. Like you can still drag it forward. It'll go forward for a while. But then that drag, it's, it's going to start, there's going to be bits falling off it everywhere. It's going to start to disintegrate. And life outside of God is the sort of life where it can be lived I'm not saying you have to follow God, but it's a life that progressively disintegrates as you go along. 
And so we see here that this Christianity is a fight. And when you become a Christian, you're no longer fighting with God, you're fighting with yourself. But Paul, I think, called it the the good fight somewhere, didn't he? It's a good fight. We'll get to that in a second. But it's the reason why J.C. Ryle, the Bishop of Liverpool, he was a great Anglican bishop, said this, a true Christian is known not only for their inner peace, but also their inner warfare. (laughs) You want to know why it's so hard to make a resolution? Because what we naturally want is constantly in conflict with what we ultimately want. And what I believe we ultimately want is things of value. And that's why we're trying to work all of this out. Of value, not of nature. And, you know, I mean, like, like look at nature. Nat- There's nothing fair about nature. There's nothing at the gritty level nice about nature. There's no fairness in nature. There's no compassion in nature. You know, for, at least from a distance, Bette Midler style, nature looks beautiful. The earth looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. Right? But you, you get up close with nature. Look at nature, nature. Lions and hyenas. They're like tearing each other apart and it's, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, no, we're civilized people. And then, okay, well then go into the corporate workplace for a week. That's just the transposition of the African savannas into people with suits. <laughs> There's nothing nice about natural up close. And God wants more than natural for you. God wants ultimate for you. And, and Paul, ironically, if you keep reading through Galatians, I, I left it out because I, I just didn't want to rock you this morning. But let me, let me paraphrase. Paul, Paul takes all of the seeds of natural and he plants them in a little spiritual nursery. And he takes us for a walk down the, the, down, down the rows of the hothouse to see what would the seeds of natural grow up into. And he says the fruit of the natural nature is greed and it's envy and it's fighting and it's lusting and it's revenge and it's self-interest. If you wanted to know what that looks like. And I think if, if we put all of those words up on the board and we brainstormed them, we'd see all of those sorts of words and, and we would all go, yeah, I know someone who's exactly like that. <laughs> they do that. <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen someone like that. But if, if we're real with ourselves, we know there's a piece of that in all of us. Where, you know, it may not be up there, but it might be in those little bunning style sapling forms. The cute little, you know, the controllable cute little bits of human nature that's not hurting anyone yet. And dare I say, you know, if we had all of those words, it's those things, self-interest and greed and revenge. I, I would put money on it that odds are it's been those natural things that have at one point in your life, as if it hasn't happened already, dragged you away from what you ultimately want. From what you really want. And I'm betting that because James says that. That's, that's good. To, James, the brother of Jesus, says that. In James chapter 1, he says this. He says, When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own, remember from last week, not evil desire, but epithumia, over desire, your over want of good things and you're enticed. <laughs> it's, like, it's as if James is reaching out 2,000 years ahead and saying, guys, don't be deceived. The thing that's keeping you from what you ultimately want and will ultimately satisfy you, it's being dragged away by the natural. So how do we, how do we get... How do we get ultimate then? 
Here's, here's the first thing. I've got two points today. Normally a three-point sermon, 30% off, January sales. <laughs> Never gets old. Here's the first one. Don't trade ultimate for immediate. You're not going, <laughs> you're not going to have your kebab until you get to the beach, was what my dad always said to me as a kid. Right? No kebab until you get to the beach. <laughs> and so, um, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. Um, when I was f- five, eight years old, we, we always used to go down with, with Dad for kebabs at Manly Beach. Amazing spot for kebabs. And we'd, we'd get this kebab. And when you're, you know, when you're a five, six, seven years of age, you know, a kebab felt like I was about half your body weight. You know? <laughs> and so we would get handed this thing. And... And we would, we would have to hold this thing with all of the beautiful smell of the hummus and the tabbouleh and the fresh lamb meat coming up through this juicy kebab. And we would have to hold that thing. And the minute that our, our little mouths would sort of start to gravitate towards it, Dad would say, no kebab until you get to the beach. And so my dad used to, we couldn't touch it. Couldn't even unwrap the little aluminium foil that you get around the top. And so my dad said, we, we couldn't eat kebabs until all four of us children from ages like 12 down to, down to four or five, um, sat on the steps at the Corso there and looked out at the beautiful vista and then we could unwrap and, and eat our kebabs. And at one point I'm like, Dad, what the heck is all of this about? And he says, well, son, I'm teaching you to postpone your self-gratification. <laughs> Which of course means everything to an eight-year-old. You know exactly what that means. And then you grow up and you're a 28-year-old and you meet a gorgeous girl and you're leaning in for that kiss and everything's tingling and your whole body's just on fire. And in that moment, in comes the voice of your father saying, no kebab until you get to the beach. <laughs> Worked, didn't it? <laughs> Galatians 5, let's get to the... So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Isn't Paul saying, no kebab until you get to the beach? Don't trade ultimate for immediate. Part of the challenge why this is so difficult is because natural and the immediate is always wafting up into the nostrils of your soul as we carry this thing through all of life. But the, trust me, whether it comes to things of how you use your money or sex before marriage or whatever it is, ultimate, the beach is always worth the wait. Ultimate is always better than the immediate and isn't that everything that we talk about as Christians? Don't trade the ultimate for the immediate. Here's the other one. If valuable, if, if valuable's not natural, then valuable has to be a fight. Paul says again, Galatians 5, for the, for the sinful nature, the self-interested nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the self-interested nature. So they are fighting with each other. You know, there's, um, there's two different ways to wear yourself down. You know, there's the sort of way that's at, uh, at, 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 
Windyard Station with all of the multiple platforms and you get off, a, off the train in a startle and you run down and you get out and you need to catch the connection and you run across to the next platform and up the stairs and then you realise that you're on the wrong platform because you didn't look at the sign. So you look at the sign, you've got to get to the next one and by the time you get to the next one through another 150 steps, you're absolutely exhausted. That's one way to wear yourself down. Run, run around, chase around. The other way to wear yourself down is what hundreds of people, many of you in here, are doing at this time of year. You're subjecting yourself to people called personal trainers. <laughs> You're going to these fascinating places called gyms. And what happens when you go in there, by choice, you decide to go and get run down and weakened. <laughs> You, yeah, you do this to yourself. And you know that once you've, once you've done that, even though you feel exhausted in that moment, once that exhaustion is finished, then a few days down the track, once you feel a bit better, there's greater strength. The, li- the, life, the life in the natural and the life in the immediate is the sort of life that wears you down like running between the platforms at Windyard Station. But foregoing things, self-discipline, waiting, not trading the immediate for the ultimate, that is the sort of wearing down that you may not even be getting the thing that you ultimately want in that moment, but you can remain confident that in that moment, you, you are strengthening yourself to receive the things that you ultimately want. Does that make sense? It's a fight. It's a fight. And you know, part, part of the challenge is for some of you, for some of you, you Christianity is not a fight. It's vague. You know, on Dulux colour wall, it would be somewhere in between brown and brown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, there's no fight. There's, there's no life. There's no fight for the commitment. There's no fight and hunger to, to serve God and to be reading his word and, and, and to be connected with people and, and, and to be learning out how we live this thing. It, it's, it's just brown. So if it's of value, it's, it's going to require some fight. Some fight. So here's the question as we finish this morning. If that's the case, if we don't want to trade ultimate for immediate, if it's, if it's going to be a fight, James says it to us, the question is then, what, what is dragging you away from what you ultimately want? Because as we'll see next week, you know, Je- Jesus was sent into the world to, to point us to ultimate. Jesus comes in. John tells us that anyone who believes in him shall never die but have eternal life. Now think about this for a second, eternal life. Let me try and illustrate this here. If I took a ribbon from my foot here and I took it out the back door there of the auditorium and if it went out to Parramatta and then if it kept going all the way through to Perth, then it went via South Africa, which would be great because we've got so many South Africans in the church at the moment. And then it came um, back up again and all the way around and, and back up again. And if that was like a ribbon measuring tape, you know, the span of your life, if we could quantify it in, in that stretch of time if that ribbon represented eternity would be no wider than the thickness of a ballpoint pen think about that for a second all of that time eating, drinking, partying, creating Jesus comes in and says guys, guys, guys that's, that's what you're destined for but but we want it now. <laughs> I need it now. Jesus came to, to constantly point you and I to ultimate. 
And so in order to get there, here's a couple of questions that, that I want you to ask yourself this morning. Uh, here they are. The first one is this, you know, what do I really want? What do I really want? You know, some of you are saying, you know, Mercedes AMG. That's good if you get one. Can you take me for a drive? <laughs> but no, seriously, seriously, you know, what, what do you really want? You know, there are blockages in your career. There are blockages in your relationships. And you think those things are all the problem. What, no, what, it, what is it that you really want? You're probably not going to get the answer now. This is devotional time. This is during your fight time. What do you really want? The other one is, is what, what's dragging me away from what I ultimately want? What in the natural is dragging me away from what I ultimately want? You know what? This, is a, this, this one's a scary space. This is the one where you need to be honest with yourself. This is the one where you, you're going to go and think about that statement that a husband or a wife has, has been saying, you know what, hon, you, you know that you need to deal with this. You know that it's impacting the kids. You, you know that it's impacting the family. And you think you've got it under control. You know, no, friend, you, know, you, you think that you've got that pattern of behaviour, that habit, as you call it, I think is more than that. And it's dragging you away from ultimate. The last one is, how, if that's the case too, how long is it going to go on for? What, another year? You're going to go, okay, resolutions didn't work this year. I'll get to it in 2020. What, a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years? Another relationship, another marriage? Another job? Another friend? These things will be a fight. All of these are heading us towards valuable. I know some of you thought that we would get to it this week, but can't you see valuable's tricky and it's nuanced and it's deep? That's why we're going to pick it up next week. Let's pray. Father... Help us with this. This last 25 minutes, Lord, has just just been prepped for surgery. Opening ourselves up into this space now, which may be the one space that we're going to have all week. For many of us where we have the opportunity to truly hear you. For many of us, this this is going to be the only three minutes this week in which we're going to think about things of this magnitude in our life. For many of us, this is going to be the next three to five minutes, the only three to five minutes that we're going to get this week where there's an opportunity to sit and to commune with you and to pray with you and to ask you to speak into our lives. So I pray for each of us, Father, now that we would open ourselves up to the reality and the revelation that is awaiting an honest and a courageous ask of this question to you. And we do this now. And we pray that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.